0: Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning. Contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our Federal Access Knowledge Base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danbach shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members emailed me this morning and said, the the turning point that opened my eyes was using Federal Access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal Access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 straight strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers. So you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. My name is Michael Azun. I'll be your host today on Game Changers. And I want to get right in the show by welcoming our guest, Steve Kraus. Steve is the principal of Catalyst Global Strategies. Steve, please take a minute to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your company.
1: Hi, Mike. Thanks. Yeah, I spent uh, 30 years in defense and aerospace selling extraordinarily expensive products to customers all over the world and uh, found out I was able to escape as a retiree in 2011. And uh, since that time, I, I, I founded a consulting firm and I've been working with teams to see how I can take what we learn in uh, in working all over the world selling that stuff, um, how I can transfer that, make it useful to people, maybe in other domains. So yeah. that's what I do yeah
0: cool so you you said uh you sell expensive things to people what's
1: the what's the biggest expensive thing you've ever sold to somebody oh boy that's a good question so the most expensive unit i ever sold is that the right now i think the biggest contract i ever won was eight billion dollars eight billion dollars that's a big contract yeah i don't know how much money that is it's a lot of zeros
0: that's a that's a big celebration after (laughs) a a contract (laughs) like that that's pretty good so you know so so right out of the gate if if you're listening to this, eight billion dollars the, was the biggest contract there. That's more than most of us will ever sell in our lifetime. And, and the topic for today is serving customers before the sale and really getting into uh, you know how you, you build these long-term relationships, and you actually help win more contracts. So you know, in, in our pre-interview, you mentioned in there that you had won over 30 billion in sales in your career. What's the secret to closing that much business you know and and what do you do that others don't do because that's a big number
1: well, one of the secrets is to have products that are incredibly expensive uh, <laughs> that helps a lot that's a good one <laughs> uh, you know I thought a lot about that when we as we've talked along I think the single most important thing we did uh, was to commit ourselves to listening um and i I know that sounds almost simple-minded. But I tell you, in my experience, it's rare. You know, our our customers' greatest frustration, in fact, customers generally, I think, is the people they turn to for help tend to talk more than listen. And these customers are, they're desperate for help. They want help. They're working on really hard things. And, um, and they need people who are trying to serve them to listen to them. I have a I have a friend who's a super salesman in the automobile industry, and he says something I really like. He, he says, "If you hear yourself talking, that's the sound of losing."
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I like that.
1: Yeah, it is, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Uh,
1: yeah. So we we really we really invested in learning how to listen intelligently. In fact, we always said the best listener wins.
0: Yeah. No. No, that's powerful, and, and I think a lot of people think that that's only for small companies and it's only for commercial companies. And I think a lot of people, this is my opinion, believe that that is a, like you said, a simple strategy that, yeah, that that's that's just common sense. And we all do that, but what's the real secret sauce. And I always go back to, well, do you actually do the listening? <laughs> you know, you think it's simple, but are you doing, do you know how to listen?
1: You know, Mike, it goes to who you are. Um, it, it's not true, in, in I mean, I'm, I've got some gray hair on me so I can say stuff like this maybe and get away with it. It's not true that you can segregate your life at work and your life as a person and your life with your family and, and in the world into different categories and be happy and successful. That's not true. So who is the person you want to be in the world? And if you want to be a person who, is, who cares about the people around you who tries who, who's determined to be a servant um, you have to integrate that into the way you work and everything else and that includes in fact it's founded on listening to people in a way that is transparent and authentic and I know that when you sit down with customers who have needs that need to be met and and you're that person for them it means the world to them they may not be able to give you the business every time but you'll be the kind of person in the world that you want to be. And I'm really devoted to that notion.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's powerful, too. You know, the the concept of there's, you know, work Mike, home Mike, husband Mike, father Mike. You know, it's like there's that creates a lot of challenges when you're trying to play, you know, 20 different roles. Yeah. Yeah. We are a husband and father and worker and business owner and all that. But but trying to be the same person everywhere is a big challenge for a lot of people. You know, the the concept of listening to me is so powerful because I often find salespeople go into a situation trying to sell a product or service and no matter what the customer says, they're focused on selling that. And, and let's say it's $100,000, but if they take the time to listen, they they might actually uncover a $5 million problem that they could also sell, but they're so focused on the $100,000 you know, goal that they have, that they're not listening to all the big stuff. I mean, it, do, do you see that a lot in salespeople where they, again, they're so focused on the one thing, they're not listening for the subtle stuff that's going to sell 20 times more product?
1: You know, I, 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 I hate most of what I see that passes as sales training.
0: <laughs> I,
1: would, and, I would agree. And, and the reason I hate it is it it is so selfish it's narcissistic it's so extreme and and guys adopt that way of thinking because they believe that's kind of how it has to be and that's ridiculous it's not how it has to be so if you're in an environment where where you've got a leadership team that's driving you to close sales fast and and all that sort of thing you, you got to get out it's not who you want to be Um, in the world. It's just not okay with me. And, uh, you know, maybe that's naive. I don't think so. I I think it's really important um, to, to, to be the kind of person who's determined to serve the people who need what you can do for them and to do it as early, to start that process as early as possible and let that process lead you both. To solutions that you can both celebrate. I tell you, on, on, a, on a number of occasions uh, in, in the course of my career, I had the opportunity to engage with uh, foreign governments and um, military forces and others to um, to work through really complex problems that they were grappling with. That would include, at some point, buying something. And in those cases where we took a real servant-like approach to that process. We came to the place where when, when they made the decision to buy from us, we had a party and it wasn't it wasn't our guys having a party about having manipulated those guys into buying from us. That wasn't it. We and the guys who bought for, who picked us were in the party together and we were all celebrating the decision that they were so happy they had been able to make. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the kind of world you want to be in.
0: Right. No, that's absolutely the kind of world you want to be in. Sure. So I I really love what you're saying here. And, you know, I've actually been part of a lot of companies from small startups to large system integrators. And and during my career, I've always seen enormous pressure on leadership to get the sale quickly. In your mind, what does that look like? You know, is it a month? Is it a year? Um, And and how does that impact what you're talking about? Because, you know, the, the selfish side of things and I guess the ability long term to get the sale. But before you answer that, I'm going to reiterate this a couple of times to people. This is a guy who's closed over 30 billion in sales. So don't look at this lightly, the advice he's about to give us. So there you go.
1: Well, Mike, I'm not sure I qualify as, as giving advice, but 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 I'll run with it. Um, first thing I'd say about that, I'd repeat something we've already talked about, which is if that's the culture of the company that you're in, to close it quickly uh in that sense of it i I, my my personal view is that selfish and corrupt and you ought to get out of there Hmm. it's not the place you want to live there are better places um but but how long does it take well in in my career um you know the time between when we recognized there was an opportunity uh to the time we won the contract ranged anywhere from a few months to a decade wow my view of that, for what it's worth, is that time span should be as long as possible, not as short as possible. Um, your, your, your team um, is so good at helping smaller companies with, with just this. Um, if, you, if you think your job is to respond to RFPs, that's what you think your job is, uh, then you'll try to make that time as short as possible and you will lose a lot. Mm -hmm. that's a losing approach i think your win rate will be 25 percent or something if you think your job is to serve um then i think you'll then 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 you will engage as early as you possibly can you will help these people you're trying to serve um make the decisions that they're trying to make and along the way as you referred to earlier you'll have a hand in creating the opportunities that are there Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and um your sales cycle, as the sales trainers like to call it, may be long, uh, but your win rate will be two or three times as high or more.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you'll get better referrals. These guys will buy more stuff from you because they, they like you and it's, it's just working well. You, you become the problem solver. You know, the, the thing you hinted at there and what I've seen is I would really love to see a culture shift in management and leadership in how you approach the sales cycle absolutely it, it it's it's sad to say hey if you don't like it you should move on it's the truth but it's sad to say that and what we what we really need is a management and leadership revolution i i was just talking with a buddy of mine at breakfast this morning about how many men in their 40s and 50s and even 60s that i deal with that have lost real leadership skills and it's all about pleasing somebody or, you know, cashing a check or whatever it is. I'm like, where's the leadership gone? And so so seeing a leadership revolution in these companies so that no one ever wants to leave, but they understand how to serve a customer before the sale. That's a, it's a big factor to me.
1: I'll tell you some red flags I'd look for um, um, that I do look for when I, when I sort of talk to potential clients and have sort of a diagnostic conversation. If you have people in the system who are saying to the sales team, I want to know who the decision maker is, or I want to know, I I, I want guys on my sales team who know the guy, or have a guy who knows the guy, Mm -hmm. or if if you have leaders are asking who's the economic buyer, those are all big red flags. Run the other way. (laughs) It's a selfish place. They they think in uh, manipulative terms about customers. It's not okay, and uh, it's also not going to be very successful.
0: Right? (laughs) Yeah. It's funny as the as you're dropping those, I hear people who want who try to get our services use some of those phrases. And I usually say, you know what? This is probably not going to work. There you out. go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, and they I look at tell you. you.
1: They, they think you're an orangutan when you talk like that. Yeah. They,
0: they're like, we just, we want to hire you because we're hoping, you know, the guys and you can just walk us in and make it happen. And, and get us a contract in, you know, three weeks. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if our philosophies are going to gel very well. Yeah, I'm
1: pretty sure they're not. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, so, so yeah. We, we do turn away people like
1: that all the time. So. Well, then think, of, think about it this way, Mike. Your, your, your clients and your firm, I, mean, I love what you guys are doing because what you are doing is helping your clients. This sounds like a shameless plug, and it's not. I mean, I just really feel this way. That you're, you're helping your clients engage with people in the government, generally in the government, who are trying to do stuff that's really hard. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to help your clients help them very, very effectively. Well, these people in the government, let's think about who they are. These are our countrymen. These are our patriots. And you talk to these people in their offices. They believe in the importance and value of what they are doing in their jobs for the country. Mm-hmm. It's a patriotic duty to them, right? And if you're helping your clients help patriots serve their country, that's kind of a big deal.
0: It, it is kind of a big deal.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm for him. that.
0: Yeah, and I and I appreciate the the plug. It's man. true. That's awesome. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so that's really. But good that's stuff. the way we lived.
1: You know, that's the way we lived when we were in, in in my career in the in the defense industry and beyond. Is we were we always had in mind that when we were successful in working with our own military forces to get the very best solutions to what they needed some young kid was going to come home that might otherwise not make it right and and uh, and when we went to our, our allies around the world and did this for them we knew that the guys our guys would be fighting alongside would be so much more effective, so much more powerful, and so much better equipped that, once again, our guys would be more likely to get to come home. Mm-hmm. So you can't forget that when you're dealing in that particular domain of serving a government customer, I understand all the caricatures and I understand people whine about waste, fraud, and abuse and all that political chatter, but sweet, you can sweep all of that aside and remember that the guys you're talking to, men and women that you're talking to, in those roles are doing something that is extraordinarily important and they're doing it for us. Mm-hmm. So if we help them do that better, uh, it, it's just a great thing. And, yeah. and that's another kind of person you really want to be in the world.
0: Yeah, no, no it's super powerful and it's, it's always motivated me. You know, when uh, when Josh and I both met, we were actually working in a small software company that the focus was on collaboration software. So we're, we're talking in the early 2000s, um, before instant messaging was a big deal, before everyone had it on their phones and could text or any of that type of stuff. And what really made my day all the time was we would get a story from a captain in a Humvee in Afghanistan who would say, I'm, I'm running 40 miles an hour in my Humvee in the desert, and the only thing that worked
1: in my Humvee other than my gun was your software. You know, the stuff we do is hard. What you guys help your clients do and my, what I try to help my guys and what I did in my career, it's, it's, it takes sacrifice. You have to stay up late at night. You have to travel a lot. You're away from your family. It takes sacrifice. The thing that makes that sacrifice possible to do day after day is what you just said. Mm-hmm. It's actually not the money. I want all the money I can get, but that's not what makes the right. sacrifice possible.
0: Yeah, it's it's those guys doing what they do. So, so I I know we're 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 kind of off topic, but we're not off topic. I mean, this is the heart of of why we do what we do. It's the heart of why we should serve customers. I'd like to hear from you. What are the top four or five things you do before a bid during
1: pre acquisition? that helps you win contracts? Well, okay, great question. I, I'm interested in, and I, I, hear, I hear what you say when you say before a bid, and when I say those words, I mean before anybody figures out a bid may happen. Yeah, they don't even so, know what's going on the street. I'm now. way back to the left. So I, I would say these things come to my mind. Um, first and foremost is, is do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, to learn everything you can learn about your customer's business. And by that I mean what, what's his vision? What are his goals? What are his problems? But not just what are his problems. How does he do what he does? How does his business work? And in the in the in the government environment, the word business is how the how the organization's mission functions. What exactly is it they do? And you know, how do they do it? And who are What decisions are they trying to make? How are they trying to move the ball down the field? And who are the people who are involved in the decisions that they're trying to make? And this is really important. It's critical. Because it's really easy to think, I alluded to this earlier, it's really easy to drop into this simple-minded notion that the only person you need to care about is the guy who, quote, writes the check, unquote. Mm -hmm. That is so dumb. And 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 small-minded. Mm-hmm. Complex systems are complex because a lot of people are involved in these decisions, and they all matter. There's not a decision maker; there are many, and and they play different roles. And it's it's your responsibility. I'm talking to the guy who's who's got the sales leadership, you know, duty. It's your responsibility to understand who are those people. What are their interests? What do they care about? I'm not interested in their golf handicap. I want to know what they care about and why so that we can thoroughly understand all of that and weave together proposals, offerings that will serve all of these people in their different from their different perspectives and, and, um, and, um, and, uh, and uh, priorities. You know, uh, it's really common. I hear this really commonly among sort of the – I have this mental – image of what I call the executive here 44 extra long low golf handicap score salesman and it's my foil you know for that's that's not who I want to be yeah (laughs) right And, and what that sort of caricature type will always say almost is well it's all about relationships and the deal and by relationships what he or she really means is uh, kind of who can I call on Saturday night and who likes to play golf with me? I'm not interested in that definition of relationship. I'm interested in a definition of relationship. That's about to what extent do these people turn to you for advice and counsel for how they ought to operate their business and make progress. Hmm. That's the kind of relationship that matters to them and, and leads to sales.
0: Yeah, no, that that's super powerful. So yeah, I have a handful of questions that I want to ask you, but I think I'm going to ditch some of those and and just dig into more of what you're saying here because I think for a lot of people listening, I can I can sense the the eyes rolling. At, hey, this is super simple. It sounds good. It you know, in a perfect world. But they don't know how to execute it. I oh, sure. It, There's
1: a long list of excuses. Yeah. And, and I, think, <laughs> I, I think
0: part of that is because it's not in their DNA. And like you said, so much bad sales training out there. But but how does someone who's listening today, who's made it this far in the podcast and is really interested, how do they go about starting that process? Because I know I, I, I've done a lot of government work. You know, That's the foundation of our business. I've done some of those things. I'll share a really funny story here in a minute about that. But for the average person who doesn't know how to do that, I mean, do you have some tips on, hey, go get this first meeting? Because I I know you can do a lot of research online, and that's all good. But actually getting to talk to people and get this meeting, then the next meeting, then, hey, I would like to get in a meeting with some, not your decision makers, the people who have the problems, bring the people who have the problems. How do, how do you go about getting those meetings and developing that trust early on so that it doesn't come off as, you know, the 44 long sales guy?
1: Right. Right. Great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it. Uh, so I'll say one thing first about this, this is going to sound uh, real frustrating to anybody who hears this, I, I suspect, but, the single most important thing you can do is deal with your own fear and make it go away. Because if you're afraid, you will get selfish, and you won't be able to overcome it. Your, your, your entire agenda, hidden or overt, when you're talking to customers will be, how can I take care of myself as a result of this mm-hmm. meeting? Mm-hmm. And that's all fear-driven. It's fear-based. Yeah. And you gotta, you got to get, you know, get comfortable with yourself and decide you're not going to live that kind of life. Right. Having said all that, you asked a practical question. So here's the way I think about it and, and sort of how, how uh, my, my colleagues and I practice this uh, discipline. So the very first thing we do is we promise ourselves that when we meet with customers, very broadly defined, we will ask questions, not give presentations. So put the view graphs away. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, good, good practical and, advice. Step yeah, one. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And take with you a set of very specific questions, questions like, what decisions are you trying to make in your enterprise, in your agency? What are you trying to achieve? Would you please talk about what you have in mind to achieve? And I would let that go uh, uh, completely unscripted. Some of them will talk about I'm trying to serve this vision. Some of them will talk about I'm trying to accomplish a specific uh objective. Some of them will say, I'm trying to solve this problem. Some will talk about all kinds of things, like you know, a mixture of those things. It's really important to give them an opportunity to do all of the talking and tell you what are they trying to achieve, because you actually don't know, and you can't tell from a source's sought notice or any of that stuff. You don't really know. Once you understand that, Uh, And by the way, this is a question question you'll continue to ask through the course of your relationship with these folks. Once you understand what is the list of things they're trying to accomplish, and I like to, when I get back and do my own homework and and, and kind of write down what I've learned, I try to frame it into sort of a how to, I'm trying to uh, decide, these are words in the customer's mouth, I'm trying to decide how to fill in the blank in order to fill in the blank. The discipline of writing it down in your own notebook in that way, when you're back at your office, is really powerful. And then I and then I'd like to encourage people. What we did next uh, was now to explore who actually are the decision makers who were engaged in those decisions. So, who owns the question of vision for the agency? Who's responsible for that? And who are the experts? that inform how this agency makes the decisions that they've just articulated and who carries them out. Who are these people? Understanding who they are and who plays which role is really, really important because it controls downstream. A great salesman is an orchestra conductor, and it's his responsibility to, dis- to make sure, based on all this learning, that the right people talk to the right people about the right thing. And the purpose of all of that is to help this customer set, this complicated picture, reach a set of decisions that are aligned internally, that they're in agreement with one another, and their various decisions are mutually reinforcing. So understanding who the decision makers are and what roles they play and what decisions they're making in the context of whatever you think the emerging opportunity is, is critical. And you only learn that by asking discipline questions and by listening not talking
0: that's that's really really good stuff i like the way you talk about even just writing it in the notebook you know that's it's just a skill that a lot of people don't have they'll type it in a crm and there's just something about putting a pen to paper that doesn't go away you know isn't that the truth isn't it you know a friend of mine uh, in australia always used to say think to ink think to ink get it out of your brain get it on paper don't type it it's just there's a there's a difference in your body. It's a difference in the way you you internalize it when you when you do that that think to ink stuff. It's it's really really powerful, you know. So you said a couple of things there, and, and I'm just curious how I, I know how some people do it. I'm curious how you go about getting that meeting mm-hmm. where I just want to come in and ask you questions. <laughs> I I have no idea what you guys are doing if we're but I just want to come in and ask you questions to be helpful. Is, it, is there something specific yeah, you use yeah. in an email, well, a phone call, you, whatever? You, you,
1: you can't say it that way. You can't say and I know you didn't mean it that way. You can't say, I don't know what you people do. I want to call it, come and ask you some questions. Right.
0: I'm totally, that isn't going to work. I'm totally clueless, but I'd like <laughs> an hour a, of your time.
1: I'm adult <laughs> and I'd love some of your time. That's exactly. not going to work. Because that, that's what it says, right? I mean, yeah, that, it, it says lasts. I, haven't, take, I haven't, haven't taken the time to get to know you, but I'd like to take something. Yeah. Well, that's not going to work. No, I'm, I'm, uh, and, and you, you mentioned earlier, and it's so, it's so very important, there is a ton of information available on the good old Internet. And, and so uh, my standard for myself and the teams that I work with and the people that I coach is that we will not pick up the phone and ask for a discussion about any subject until we have exhausted the resources that are available to us on our own. And so that provides the basis for, uh, for the conversations now that you're trying to have. I was working with a not-for-profit lately who does operations in uh, Haiti, and they have big issues to address with the government of Haiti. And that's a really complicated picture because mm-hmm. the government keeps falling, and you know it's, it's a complicated place. Well, we were preparing to to request a meeting with the prime minister of the country, and our our not-for-profit does lots of operations in the country for humanitarian purposes in a way that employs Haitians and Haitian farmers and everything else. It was really important that we knew as much as could be known in advance about what were the interests of the prime minister before we went in and asked for a meeting to talk to him because we wanted to propose a meeting to talk about a subject that we knew in advance was important to him. That's the key. Uh, these people who are trying to do government business particularly, but it's also true in the commercial world, they welcome the opportunity to talk to you about something they care about. Right. They're not that fascinated at the chance to talk to you about something you care about. Right. right. So figure out what they care about and get them to talk about
0: that. Yeah. No, the, again, it, it's powerful. It's so simple. Yet again, I go back to what I said early, you know, a lot of people just don't do it. They they just they understand it's important to listen. They understand it's important to talk about things that are important to the customer, yet they still go in with their default plan of yeah. after thirty seconds after them answering yeah. this, I have I have my sales mode I'm gonna go into. Well
1: that's that's lazy and it's yeah. unacceptable. Yeah. Uh and 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 it's fear based. Yeah. um and, and 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 quite frankly if you if you turn the tables a little bit ask yourself if you can remember the last because it 's probably been a long time the last time somebody knocked on your front door and interrupted you so that he could talk to you about something he cared about how how'd that discussion go? Somebody trying to tell you tree cutting services or insurance or whatever it was probably a pretty short meeting
0: right? yeah oh yeah absolutely so you think
1: your you think your customers are different
0: yeah they're they 're not they they 're just like us, you know, and it's yeah. very it 's very it's very simple if we just put ourselves in those shoes uh, but but a lot of people won't do it you know so one of the questions I was going to ask you but i th- I think you've really answered this, but i'm going to open it up in case you have some other things i I think a lot of people in sales. Um, they have their definition of serving the customer. Um, you've really explained a lot of different ways that you serve them beforehand and just the the listening and paying attention, doing the research, um, all the things that you do. Is there anything else that you would tack on to this of ways that you serve customers differently than, say, the average salesperson or company?
1: You know, um, I don't know that I'm different, but I, I've been thinking about... Uh... I know one of the things that your clients need to do is to deal not only directly with government customers, but also with big primes. It's, it's a really important almost channel for them. We, I, I was at McDonnell Douglas and Boeing for 30 years. So big outfits, you know, mm-hmm. and you, your, your clients who may be at the, at, at the other end of the spectrum, maybe small businesses or mid tier companies, uh, what might be surprised to hear, this is absolutely true. is we, we used to say to each other that big companies like us exist so that below-average people can accomplish above-average things. Hmm. And when we looked at people coming in in the supplier chain, particularly the smaller firms, uh, we always thought those were the above-average people. They were the risk-takers. Uh, they're the guys signing the personal guarantees. They're the ones who have the passion to do their business. They're not employees. Right. They're owners, you know. Right. Um, and... And it, it's, it's a mistake for guys at that end of the spectrum to think when they're talking to these big primes that they're talking to people who are 10 feet tall. They're not. And that, that understanding can be very useful. Um, it, for example, very commonly, the folks, the smaller firm folks who were in working with us on some of these big sales efforts would assume that we knew what it took to win. And uh, the most irritating question I ever was asked, and it happened over and over and over again, by people with good hearts who were trying to be helpful, but the question they asked is, well, if you can think of anything else for me to do for you, please let me know to help you win. And I wanted to take these people by the throat and say, mm-hmm. hey, dude, I've already asked for everything I can think of. Okay? What we need from you is more genius ideas. Yeah. So if, if, if you can coach your clients... To go to these big firms and approach them with innovative ideas that they haven't thought of about what you can do to help them win, I guarantee your name will come up a lot when you're not there.
0: Mm. No, that's, very,
1: very important
0: thing. That's super, super powerful. Yeah, you know, just Again, it goes back to it really doesn't matter if you're big. It really doesn't matter if you're small. It really doesn't matter if you're trying to focus on government clients or if you're trying to get in with a large integrator or if you're trying to work on commercial clients. A lot of these strategies are all the same. And, you know, here's here's the thing I always tell people. How's it working the way you've been doing it? Yeah. Right, right. You know, I, 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 yeah. that's that's a question I always ask. It, and people look at me like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, are you a multimillion Like, I, I'm not saying money is is the end game for you but you talk like money is the end game so if money is the end game for you do you have all the money you need I was like well no not even close then why not try it this way you know because you've been at it for five years and you're doing $100,000 in revenue what if for the next five years you did it this way and you had 50 in
1: revenue or you know we, or, we or used or to we, we used to have a rule that we would tell each other which is you must never violate the first rule of wing walking so, you know, a wing walker is a guy out on the biplane walking down the mm-hmm. wing in the air show. Yeah. Okay. The first rule of wing walking is never let go of one grip before you got another one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, I understand why a guy who's, you know, just keeping his head above water because he's running a small outfit and he's got 5,000 things to do and, and time to do about two of them, where he says, I'm just not going to do anything new. I can't afford I don't have the bandwidth. I right. can't do all that. Right. And I get that. I get that. I think for these guys, the challenge is, frankly, with the kind of help uh, you guys give, uh, if nothing else, is to find a way to just season what you do already with the type of perspective that we're talking about here. Ask more questions and give fewer answers. If the customer is not responding the way you want, don't go brief him again. Right. And louder this time. Right. You know, find out why not. Yeah. And, and, uh, if, if you can just develop, a, an appetite for questions, uh, more than answers, that's a pretty fruitful way to go.
0: Yeah. Just, just helping people. I mean, it's really just helping people that's, you know, we, we always just talk about what's the real definition of sales and, and, um, cause a lot of people, when you start talking about sales, they hate salesmen, they hate the concept. And in order to, to help a lot of our people, it's like, look, you're just on a professional level, helping people get what they need. And Correct. And, I mean, that's that's really, when you're doing it the right way, that's how it looks.
1: This all sounds like we're in favor of motherhood, which we are, but it's actually very practical, simple, and truthful. Yeah. It is really how the world works.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's so simple. So, so with that, as we start to wrap up here, any final thoughts for our listeners?
1: You know, I, I love that you're asking these questions, and I hope your listeners are... Uh, um, irritated or uh, at, at least by, by what we've talked about. Um, and, uh, you know, I, the kind of work that I'd love to see people do who, who have found themselves, who love being in sales, people who love being in sales love people. Mm-hmm. It's a very common picture. And, and I just believe that there's a way to be who you want to be and, and, and help your own company as a super effective salesman by being the kind of servant to your customers that it's possible to be. I think that's who the guys we like in sales want to be. Yeah, no,
0: all good stuff. Thank you so much for your wisdom today. It's all been good stuff, simple stuff. There's nothing rocket science about what we've been talking about. I think the the rocket science part of it is actually implementing it. And and getting over the fear and the frustration and the anxiety, whatever you want to call it, and just implementing these simple things. Like, how hard is it really to just shut up? Right. Well, for me, it's really hard. That's what I tell a lot of people. I I tell that a lot of people. I'm like – it's not hard to shut up. It just takes some discipline, <laughs> you know. A,
1: that's a great way to say it.
0: You know, you know that, yeah. that's all it is. So, so just yeah. super, I'm super thankful you got on here today. I look forward to having you back on. Thanks, uh, Mike. The, Glad the to see you. Future. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So Thanks. I also want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today on this episode. Remember, you can find every episode on iTunes. Just look for Game Changers for Government Contractors and subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every episode. You can also learn more about each of our guests by visiting the official Game Changers website at rsmfederal.com forward slash Game Changers, where we we'll have links to their bios and any special things that they have out there, their social media, all that good stuff. Uh, and last but not least, uh, please visit our sponsor for today's episode, the Federal Access Program at rsmfederalcom forward slash FA for more information on how you can find and win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.